It's great to be here with you this morning, uh, whether you're here in the worship center or over in the chapel online, it is great to be able to gather together and worship the Lord to explore his word together. Uh, last week, Pastor Betty kicked off our new series, New Beginnings, uh, by speaking about embracing spiritual growth, embracing spiritual growth. And we're talking throughout this series over the next, uh, next five weeks, uh, looking at what does it mean to grow in Christ and, and look at just different areas to help us do that. But this morning, I want to look at embracing a personal growth strategy, embracing a personal growth strategy. Now, what do I mean by that? I'm talking about a continuous strategy on how we're going to become the people that God's called us to be. And certainly the Holy Spirit does that work within us, but he calls us to be very intentional with our walk with him in order to, to grow. And, and when I was new in Christ, I, I can remember I looked at what we would call pillars in the church individuals who were just sort of solid in their faith. And, and, and I thought they just sort of got there. I don't know about you, but I, I just sort of thought they got there. Like, like, like somehow one day they woke up and, and all of a sudden they were people of faith, you know, and people who knew the word. And you know, like, it just sort of happened. And what I realized was I was only looking at like the, the, the tip of the iceberg, the 10% of what I could see in their life, but it was the 90% that made them the people who they were in Christ. The 90%, the hard work of spending time in his word and prayer and, and doing the things that God calls us to do in order to put ourselves in a place where he can use us. I always wanted to have a faith story. And you know what I realized? That those who have a faith story, guess what? Step out in faith. Like every part of their story was about stepping out in faith. And for the longest time, I thought that if I would sort of just wait, that God would give me a faith story that he would just sort of make it happen. And, and, and the reality of it is he does give us the opportunity to have a faith story, but it only really happens in our life when we step out in faith. And so I want to talk about the 90% of the iceberg, not the 10%, because uh, we understand our goal is to be like Jesus. But what's the 90%? What are the, what's it look like to grow in Christ? And it really is, comes out of the statement that years ago, uh, a mentor of mine in undergrads, Keith Jury, uh, made this statement, and it was life-changing for me, life-altering. He said, the most important thing in your life and the greatest gift you can give to other people is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let that marinate in your spirit for a minute. That the most important thing in your life, the greatest gift you can give to anyone else, is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, that being true, it means that, that we're embarking on a journey of becoming now, of course, Christ is the North Star in his journey. He's the North Star. We're centered on him. And so I'm not saying if we just work harder on our own that we're going to become something. But I'm saying that God uses the things that he's called us to in our life so that his spirit can grow us up in him. And so if we aim at nothing, that's what we're going to get. Right, church? So we're talking about being intentional, focus on Jesus. He's the North Star, embarking on a journey of spiritual growth. And that happens with a personal growth plan. 2 Peter 3.18, listen to these words. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. What does it mean to grow in Jesus? What's that look like? And I want to look at four aspects of a personal growth strategy. Now, you could probably come up with a number more, 
But I'm going to say these four aspects are, are sort of non-negotiable if we want to grow in Christ. And, and why is it important we grow in Christ? Well, because the most important thing in our life is our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The greatest gift we can give others is that relationship with Jesus Christ. The fullness of life that God wants to give us in him comes as we grow in Christ. I find many a believer frustrated, saying, when I said yes to Jesus, I thought there was this fullness of life that comes with that. And they thought again that that was just going to happen as we sat stationary. And God says, no, it's as you walk with me, as you walk with me, I will provide. I'll provide. And he's so faithful, isn't he, church? Growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are some four aspects, four aspects of a growth strategy in Christ? The first, every believer needs to be sustained by God's word. Every believer needs to be sustained by God's word. There's a simple yet profound verse, Psalm 119, 105. Your word, speaking of God's word, God's word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I ask you this morning, is God's word a lamp under your feet? Is it a guide to your path? Just be honest. Think about it for a moment. Uh, Because the reality of it is we can allow culture to direct our steps. And, and, And let me tell you what, if we let culture direct our steps, we'll often find ourselves in places we shouldn't be. We can let other people's opinions of life guide our steps. And that also can lead us off course. But if we don't have the Bible as the lens that allows us to see life the way that God wants us to, we're always going to be sort of drifting in life. But when we allow God's word to be the lamp into our feet, he directs our steps. He guides us. When we hear something in culture, instead of thinking, oh, what do you think about that? Wouldn't it be better if we were going to say, well, this is what God's word says about this subject. Come on, church. That God's word is the lamp. It guides us. A.W. Tozer, he said, the Bible is not a book which was once, was, the Bible is not only a book that was once spoken, but a book that is now speaking. I love that. That certainly the Bible is a book that was spoken. It was written. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it's a, it's a book that speaks now. It's his living and active word. Right, church? People will ask me, Craig, do you hear from God? Now, I don't know exactly what they're asking. Like, does God speak to me, they'll say. Does God speak to you, Craig? And I'll be honest with you, I don't like in the morning hear God do this, Craig. You know, it's not like this this audible type of thing that, but I can honestly say God speaks to me every single morning. Because when I read his word, it's living and active. I'm mentored through the people of Scripture. I'm mentored on how to live. I'm mentored on how not to live. Sometimes by the same, sometimes by the same person in scripture. Like David. David has been a great mentor over the years. And I love particularly the way that David worshiped the Lord. He understood who God was. In fact, there's a particular story out of, ba- out of David's life where he's coming in, he's celebrating the Lord. And he's sort of like in his underclothes, like just celebrating Jesus is what the scripture says. And his wife, Michael, says to him, you're being a fool. And he said, I'll be undignified before my God. In other words, I, I have an audience of one. And by the way, Michael, you're not, you're not him. What a brilliant, what a brilliant guy. Now, by the way, I wouldn't follow David's example of relationships. Some of you have read the story, haven't you? 
wasn't necessarily a good man with some of the women. Wasn't necessarily a great father. But did he mentor me? Absolutely. I look at what he did and I thought, I'll do the opposite of that. (laughs) But the Bible's full of it. Full of just so many examples that we can follow. And so much that we can learn. In fact, the beauty of God's word is that it doesn't just show us the good in people. It does show us their struggles. It shows us every part of them. And we can learn from that. The Bible mentors us. We should be sustained by God's word. Been around here for a while. You you know I say this often, that, that the Holy Spirit uses the word of God we know, not the word of God we don't know in our life. So we want to be in the word. Now, we have a Bible reading plan uh, here at, at Crosswinds where many of us are going through it, and we're reading a chapter a day through the New Testament. So in a year, if you read a chapter of the New Testament every day for five days a week, not seven, five days a week, over the year, you'll read the entire New Testament. One chapter a day. Doesn't take long to read. I guarantee you, you can do it. If you don't have time for that, you don't have time to eat, so you better get your time right. It's just a chapter a day. It'll change your life. We're in the book of Mark right now. It'll change your life. When I was a student pastor, I put together a Bible reading plan where the students would every morning would spend five minutes, five minutes in the Word. Five minutes in the Word. Uh, And and some parents came up and said, that's not enough. And I said, well, your kids aren't even in the Word. Like five minutes is better than what they've been doing, exponentially better. How many of you agree with that? And, And so start where you're at, but get in the Word. Let the Word sustain you. I mean, I triple dog dare you. If, if you commit yourself over this next year to be a part of that Bible reading plan, I, I just know that God's going to transform your life. I found that students spending five minutes a day, guess what? Eventually they're spending more and more time. Why? Because they're being fed by God's word. People say, how much is enough? I don't know how much is enough. How much is too much? I don't know. If you're not eating or going to work, you're spending too much time in God's word. Right? If you're reading so much or you're not consuming what you're reading, you're reading too much. I believe the most powerful thing you can do is read, allow God to give you something, and live that out that day. And it'll change your life. It'll change your life. We should be sustained by God's word. The second aspect is this. Every believer needs to be rooted in prayer. Paul writes in Philippians, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It took me years to realize that prayer is a dynamic dialogue. That when I pray, it's not just me talking to God. It's it's me really asking that he gives me listening ears so I can hear him throughout the day. In fact, there's a passage in Scripture that says, pray without ceasing. And for the longest time, I thought, how do you do that? Like, are you just sort of in this prayer closet all day? How, how do you pray without ceasing? And I really believe that praying without ceasing is simply this, being aware that God is present with you 24-7. And that you don't have to go anywhere special, that you don't have to have a great vocabulary. In other words, we're not trying to impress God by our grammar. Some of the most... Uh, Amazing prayers that have been answered in my life have been prayers where I simply say, God, give me strength. God, I need help. God, give me peace. Help me love. Simple, simple prayers. Now, I would say that if you're praying, you're driving down the road, keep your eyes open. 
It's not the posture of your prayer, it's the posture of your heart. But prayer, prayer. I came across this quote years ago from C.S. Lewis. Listen to it. It says, I pray because I can't help myself. C.S. Lewis, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. Catch this. He says, it doesn't change God. It changes me. For years, I thought prayer changed God. Ever been there? I thought I could make bargains with him in prayer and he would change his mind. I thought if I just maybe prayed loud enough, have you ever known loud, loud prayers? If I just pray real loud, then God will have to hear me or at least he'll answer it because he wants me to quiet down. All this weird manipulative stuff. And what I realized, the real key in prayer is, is I learned to say, God, your will be done, not mine. Show me the way. Now, by the way, prayer does change things. I, don't, I can't totally explain it. But you pray, and, and it's amazing how God gives you eyes to see how he answers prayer. I used to say to people, I love it when God answers prayer. But the reality is God's always answering prayer. I just love it when I can see it. See the difference? I just had a brother in Christ come up to me today. He's been praying for his son, and God's just been doing some amazing things in his son's life physically. And, and I thought, man, there's an answer to prayer. And I see it. Thank you, Jesus. But God's always working. But the greatest thing C.S. Lewis says, and this, this was life-altering for me too, was this understanding that when I pray, it's about me changing, me becoming, me growing. Now understand this, I'm still growing in this. Like I still try to sort of convince God my way sometimes is the right way. Come on, don't judge me. But I'm growing. God's way is always the best way. And so God, prepare me for what you have for me has become a prayer I pray quite a bit. Prepare me for, for this situation. Prepare me for, for that conversation with that individual. I want to speak the words you want me to speak. And what I realized is it's not really saying just your will be done, but God, may your will be my will. See, I used to think that when I prayed that what I was doing was I was putting my will aside for God's will. And we might start there, but the ultimate goal in, in our relationship with God is that his will becomes our will. That we really will the things of God. God, I don't want you to take my suggestions because I'm not you. What do you want to do? And help me get on team. Help me walk the way you've called me to walk in this. First aspect, sustained by God's word. Second aspect, that we're, we're really in this dynamic dialogue with God in prayer, that he's, he's, he's able to, to, to change us in the midst of these things. The third one is this, third aspect. Every believer needs to be in a genuine community with other believers. Bar none, so important. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as, in, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. First of all, can I just state the obvious that we cannot encourage one another to love and good works if we're not around each other. It's hard to do that if we're not in each other's presence or at least texting or something. But if we're not in communication with each other, you can't encourage people to, each other to live like Jesus. We've got to be in proximity, doing life together being a part of his church, 
being in, in not just the large gatherings like this, although this is important, but also in smaller gatherings, pouring into each other and, and really desiring God's best in the lives of one another. In fact, genuine Christian community is exemplified by the presence of God manifested through love for one another, truth spoken to one another, where grace is shown to one another, where lives are transformed. And that happens when we do life together. I've had people over the years say something like this to me. I love Jesus. I just don't love his church. I love, and I, and I understand that some of that could come from heartache, and I don't want to make light of that. Some people have been hurt by church people. I get that. But understand this. It would be like coming up to me and saying, Craig, I like you, but I don't like your wife, Krista. I mean, that would be hard to hear. I'm hearing, oh, yeah, that, that's because you're nice people. I'm like, what? What's your problem with my wife? You know, I mean, I'd be more like that. But, but, but I mean, really, if you knew Krista and know me, I can understand the other now. I like Krista, but Craig, you're hard to, I get that one. But, but in all honesty, think about it. She's my bride. Right? <laughs> I'm winning points with somebody. Who are you? I just want to know. Who am I? <laughs> I like being liked. But, uh, but, but, but listen, can you imagine? We are the bride of Christ, Christ's church. Just say, I love Jesus, but I just don't like his church. I don't like his bride. Let me tell you something. If you're looking for the perfect church, I don't want to be a downer, but you're not going to find her. You know why? Because I'm a part of it and so are you. If every time something happens and you don't like that, you run off to another place, guess what? You're going to be running your whole life. Some of the best advice I ever got was work it out. We learned that as kids, didn't we? Your two kids are fighting and you say, hug it out. And they're looking at you like, I'm not touching that. I'm not doing it, Dad. Well, then you're going you're gonna to have to stand there until you do. Work it out. Your brother and sister, work it out. Come on, church. Are you telling me that the God who spoke the world into existence can't bring reconciliation between two believers filled with the Spirit of God? Do you know when it doesn't happen is when we don't want it. But when we do, it happens getting quiet in here. That's true of every relationship. God says, bear with one another. Over and over in the New Testament, bear with one another. Do you know why he says that? Because sometimes we're not really all that lovable. <laughs> why else would he have us, why would it be there? You don't have to bear with one another if they're easy to love. Isn't that the truth? They're just easy to love. You bear with the person who's hard to love. And you say, well, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, well, isn't that what God did, though? I mean, have you ever been unlovable? And God said, you were worth me sending my son to die on the cross for? If Jesus can do that, what can I not do for another? It's getting quiet in here this morning. It's getting quiet in here this morning. Aspect number four. Every believer needs to be involved in sacrificial kingdom service. Sacrificial kingdom service. He said, Craig, where do you get that from? Well, from our example, Mark 10, 45. For even the son of man came not to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What, let's go back to the God who spoke to him into existence. When he looked at what it would mean to save us, he became a servant. That's mind blowing to me. 
In fact, I'll have conversations with people and they'll, they'll tell me who God is and the God they're describing isn't the God I know. You ever been in those conversations? Oh, God just wants something from me. Yeah, God wants your life, but he wants your life because he knows that if you give him your life, you'll be blessed. He's not trying to rob you of anything. He wants to give you a fullness of life you can't get on your own. And he sheds the example. He said, if you really want to excel in life, don't live to be served, live to serve. Live to serve. Jesus is right close to when he's going to die for our sins, and he's at this meal with his disciples. And here's a moment, if there's ever a time when Jesus should have been served, it was then, right? How would you agree with that? And Jesus puts a towel around his waist and he walks one by one and starts washing their feet. Peter, I really understand Peter. I'm a lot like him. He just speaks what comes to his mind. Sometimes it's brilliant, other times it's not. And at this point, he says, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. He says, well, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, then you won't have any part of me. And, and, and Peter says, then wash all of me. And Jesus says, no, that's not what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Once you've been washed, you don't need to have it. Just your feet need washed. And he washes all their feet. And then he says, listen, this is what I want you to do for others. I mean, another time Jesus is walking and the disciples are arguing. Guess what they're arguing about? Who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of God? Like when Jesus enters into his kingdom, who's going to be greater? And, and Jesus asks him, I love it when he does this. What are you fighting over? What are you talking about? And they don't want to tell him, but he already knows. He says, listen, you want to be a leader in the kingdom of God? Don't, you're not going to do it like the world. The world, the leaders lord it over others. He says, but if you want to be a true leader, you're going to serve. Can I say that would, that teaching alone would radically change life as we know it. If our goal was just to serve one another, how radically the world around us would change. I mean, in marriages, instead of the person saying, well, yeah, well, they should have done that or they should have done this, instead of, if the thing was, why don't we just try to outserve each other? How many of you think that marriage is probably staged for success? What if we took it further and said, man, if I, if I could just serve, how, how can I serve the world around me? And how can we do that together? Mother Teresa said this. She said, I can do things you cannot. You can do things I cannot. Together we can do great things. Why? Because we're different. We're all gifted differently. In this individualistic culture, where oftentimes we look at if I'm going to serve. No, no. Why don't we serve as God's church? Using our gifts and our callings and our abilities and in the places where he's planned us for his glory. Helping one another. Serving one another as we serve. Think about that. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful goal. What a beautiful objective for us as followers of Christ. And, and let me share with you. There's a, there's a lot of places where we can serve, but the first place we should serve is in our home. We should be serving our families. The second best place, you want to hear it? I'm going to tell you anyway. Where you work or go to school. The third, where you play, where do you buy your meals, where do you, where do you find yourself most often? To serve, 
Sacrificial kingdom service is vital to our personal growth. Vital. Paul, writing to his young protege, writes this, 1 Timothy 4, 7-8. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, training yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds the promise for this present life and also for the life to come. What's he saying? He said, look, take care of yourself physically, but take care of yourself spiritually. Have a personal growth plan. Know where God's calling you and, and do the things that will let you grow and, and get there and flourish in him. A.W. Tozer wrote, he said, true religion is not about possessing the right doctrinal beliefs, but about living in the power of the Holy Spirit and growing in Christ-likeness. Now, by the way, if you know anything about A.W. Tozer's writing, he was really important to say what the Bible teaches we should live by. So it's not that doctrinal beliefs aren't important. But he was tired of people who sit around having biblical talks without living a biblical life. It's like, live it. Step out. Let the Spirit work in and through you. See, personal growth in Christ involves both a willingness to change and a commitment to living out one's faith actively and authentically, which necessitates this cultivating this personal growth strategy. And we here want to help you at Crosswinds. I was thinking through this big list right fast. But I was thinking, like, maybe you need a care group. Maybe there's a hurt or a habit or a hang-up you need to get over. We have Celebrate Recovery. Maybe you're dealing with grief. We have grief share. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with the devastation of divorce. We have divorce care. Maybe you're wondering, how do I deal with my finances? Great question. Great place. Financial peace. There's places to go and grow. There's generational ministry, such as kids ministry, the new intermediate ministry at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, student ministry, young adults, adults alive. There's discipleship opportunities. There's connect groups, one-on-one groups. There's serving teams. If we're called to serve, we have serving teams. In a week from Monday night, I'm going to be meeting with the leaders here at Crosswinds. And over the next year, I'm going to challenge us to say, how can we not only in serving teams accomplish things for Christ, but nurture one another? Help each other grow. So as people are serving, they're, they're growing in Christ. And that's already happening. But how can we dig deeper in that? Serving teams. There's prayer teams, visitation teams, encouragement teams. Are you writing? Write it out. There's building and grounds. There's snow removal teams. Many of you are super excited about that, right? Come on. Snow removal teams. There's yard care, building maintenance. Sunday morning, there's, there's, there's security and, and safety. There's ushers, greeters, info central, music ministry, tech, kids, men, mission partners in our community. There's care net. There's a spot. You say, well, where do I start? Start in your home. Go where you go to school and work, where you play. But find another place where you can serve alongside other believers and grow together and care for one another. Find community in serving. Make a difference that's eternal. And by the way, if you weren't able to write all those down, you can take this page in my notes. Or you can just head on over to Info Central. Go over there. Let them help you. It's, Info Central is there. Guess what? This is going to be mind-blowing. To give you information. Any way we can help you, that's what it's there for. So years ago, I was walking, and I found myself among these fruit trees. And what I realized was an old orchard that had been grown over. And this orchard had some fruit coming down from the trees, but they were dwarfed. They weren't, like, really healthy, like they should look. And, and what I realized was this orchard probably had been unattended for many, many, many years. 
And because it had been unattended, it, it wasn't a healthy orchard. It wasn't vibrant. It wasn't producing really good fruit. And, and it really hit me. That's true for us as believers too. When we don't tend for our own personal growth plan, when we don't tend for our spiritual vitality, we become overgrown. Useless, really. I wasn't going to eat anything coming down from those trees. But at one time, I bet I would have. Intentionality. Intentionality. Because the most important thing in my life is my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The most important gift I can give others is my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'll leave you with this this morning. One of my favorite memes in the past few months. I came across this meme and it showed this guy who was obviously a guy who worked out and ate right. I mean, he looked like a Greek god. I mean, he just, oh, this unbelievable. And, and, and then there was these two guys who looked a little more like me. And, and they're looking at this guy and, and they're, they're, they're just looking at him. And then you see the guy and on the side of the guy, you see everything he does to look the way he looks. Like it shows he's eating right, he's, he's getting sleep, he's working out. He's doing all the right stuff to look the way that he looks. But the other two guys who don't look like this guy, one of them looks to the other and says, genetics. <laughs> genetics. And I thought, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the curse of our society? That we think people just get where they are because they just happen to get there. If you want a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not automatic, but it's available. It's not automatic, but it's available, and you don't have to do it alone. We're here to do it together, right, church? We're here to do it together. Proverb, when's the best time to plant a tree? Like 100 years ago, right? When's the second best time? Today. Don't beat yourself up this morning of what you haven't done. Start today what you know you can do and just trust God with it. Amen, church? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for allowing us to gather this morning to put your glory on display, to encourage one another, to explore your word together. Thank you for this growth that we have in you. It's not something we just sort of figure out our own. Your word's really clear on it. Even these four aspects are so clearly spelled out in your word. And we don't have to do them alone. We do them with you. We do them with each other. My prayer is that no one leaves here feeling beat up, but, but encouraged. Because today could be a new beginning. Today could be a new beginning and heading in the direction that you have for each of us together. And oh, I can't wait to see what you're gonna do in and through us. One person can make a difference in culture, but a bunch of us together can literally change a culture. Would you use us, Lord God, to literally see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. God, I pray that if there's anyone who's yet to receive you as Lord and Savior this morning, they'd make that decision. That's where all this starts. <laughs> a growth strategy doesn't start with you until we're in relationship with you. And so, Lord, if, if anyone's yet to say yes to you, may they say yes to you this morning. Thank you for dying for our sins, being resurrected for our salvation. Thank you for being with us and allowing us to become the people you've called us to be. Help 2024 be a year where we're intentional about our walk with you. And as you bless us, help us bless others, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.